I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast presented by Zwift for the Hent Wevelhem Double Recap Men and Women's Editions. We have 260 kilometers on offer for the men's race in, I don't know how cold it was, but it was classics conditions there was a little bit of wind but it was no 2015 conditions but it was also no sunny e3 so a bit of a day for the hard men today for riders like pedersen the parkour is 160 k's of flat pretty much as they go around demuren which you might have seen in uh the other race brugadapana this week and they go through some of the World War One memorial sites, and then they start the hills, which are a collection of the Scherpenberg, Barnaberg, and the Kemmelberg, although they do it, and the Monteberg, sorry, and they do the Kemmelberg from a different side, the last edition. That's the steepest one. The last edition of it is 700 metres at 10.4% with some really steep pinches. So it's in flat. And a lot of headwind to the finish. It's the sprinters get a chance here in theory. They haven't for a few years. Um, but yeah, good stylist Benji just missing MVP and Polk. But every other top like classic strider is here. Exactly. The big guns are here. Wout Fanat is here. So that's one of the, the big three that we saw at E3 Heidelbaker. But we also don't have Pogacar and Vanderpool because those teams are focusing on Ackermann and on Philipson. Ackermann because Molano was hit by a car recently and Philipson because Vanderpool is not here because I just mentioned that. Anyway, so we're starting this race and we know the Muren. Is there going to be wind? But yesterday I checked the predictions and there was like five knots of wind. I don't know what knots are, but it doesn't sound much. So I wasn't expecting much in the Muren and that's unfortunately what happened because uh, on one end you're hoping that the Muren absolutely explodes the race, but on the other end, you don't want that because it's not on the broadcast. So it's like, it's a really annoying balance, no? Yeah, like that's what happened in previous editions, like 2015, I think. You just see, even in 2020, maybe, I can't remember yeah. exactly, you just, TV coverage starts and you have a group one of like 12 riders and you're like, oh, well, how did this happen? And then you often have a good race <laughs> afterwards, but you miss sort of what happened initially. But 260Ks, yeah. it's a long old race. And to be honest... There was no need to televise this today. Like, it was, <laughs> from what we could see, pretty chill. Big break, 14 riders, notably Turnison in it. Yeah. For Intermarche. I was a little bit surprised. Like, if you go on the early break, you're not really, especially in Genvevelhem, maybe it's different in Roubaix, but in Genvevelhem, he's not really betting on himself for the final, uh, Turnison. I agree. There were some opportunities where they tried to put other riders in the breakaway. Initially, I think Taco van der Hoorn was one of the riders that yeah. tried to go in the break. That's a name you more expect in the break, right? And it was kind of a break that existed in in two waves. First, the group was at the front, then Antomache didn't have anyone in it. So I think they just panicked and wanted someone in the break. And that's how Turnison ended up there instead of, for example, a Taco who had tried 
before, but some other notable riders in there, Van Avermaet, who dropped on the Hotont climb, if my memory serves me right, in E3, so is not that great coming back from an illness, so that's probably why he's in the break. I don't think he was looking forward to today with the weather, if I recall his uh, his morning interview. Fedorov, U23 world champion, yellow allies in here. I'm surprised he's still in the peloton, no offense, I just genuinely thought he retired. Louis Aski for Groupama, Johan Jakobs, Biermans, and so forth. The expected breakaway riders like Topsport Flandern and Bingual. <laughs> I'm, getting, I'm getting it over, like the virus of calling it Bingual, I'm getting it as well. But this breakaway... Some riders would make it into a further stage of the race as a consequence, but you might as well just forget about them right now. Well, Filippo Ganna, let's talk about him for a second, had a crash early on on the stage, was holding his knee like... How can I perfectly express this? In a, Obviously, I care a lot about him, and it looks from Ineos' afterwards, after the stage, that it's not that bad what he has, but it reminded me the way that he was sitting there of that Peter Griffin meme, a family guy, where he's like holding his knee and like rocking back and forth. That's how it looked like. So it wasn't good. And he DNF'd. He's not in the race at this point. And then we went to the Muren and uh, what happened in the Muren, my friend? Nothing. Nothing happened in the Muren. The wind obviously wasn't strong enough. It was obviously like if it's cool and rainy, they're burning a few more calories regardless. But the brakes kept in reasonable order on like three minutes most of the time. And it's really... Even the first, the Scherpenberg at shallow and the Barneberg, nothing happens. Jumbo then assemble and push Van Hoydonk forward. And yeah. it's on the first Camelberg where he just ups the pace, not like a huge attack. Laporte's kind of, Jumbo then dot their riders progressively through the group. So they'll have like Van Hoydonk at the front. 10 wheels back support, another 10 back is Vanart, another 10 back is Koi. And yeah, that group gets a decent split. Turner's here in good shape. He goes with them and they go on with it. So a pretty nice move, especially with Morich. This is exactly the move Morich tries to yeah. get in every time. Like he has to get ahead. And Florian Vermesh for Lotto, he's having a really good classic season. So nice move. And then others were bridging Benji. Exactly. Now, I do want to note for a second, who's not in this first move once again? Quickstep. In the same way that they missed the early splits yeah. in Umlob, they're once again not in this split of these four riders. I would expect a, a Lampard and Osgren and a Seneschal to make their way into this move because despite having Merlier and Jakobs, you, you want to neutralize these grooves by being in them instead of having to ride behind them. And that does not happen if you're not in those moves. Then you have to ride behind them. But then a second group forms behind, which is after that, Kjellberg won, which is Kro Andersen, Rizel, a dude from uh, UNOX. Then we have Turgi and Laporte. So these riders also trying to bridge up. And once again, no quick step rider. And I'm like, the fuck, guys? Like, what do you expect to do in this race? Are you just going to stay back and stay with your sprinter chasing every move all day? Like, that's not going to work, eh? And this move does eventually come to the front. And then we see two more moves from the peloton. Mes Pedersen, who tries to bridge and it works. He bridges completely. And we've got Fabio Jakobs and then a, what did we call it again? A potato, potato chase. Yeah. In French, like, okay, come on. I got some thoughts. And listen, this is where we're going to have the discussion because this is where the race really, things happened. Yeah. The rest of the race was not too Dead. much to analyze, frankly. <laughs> this is where, first of all, I agree with you on Quickstep. You could 
put Asgren, Lampard, and they should be good enough. On first, Kemmelberg. Lampard or Asgren should be good enough or Seneschal to make a move with Morich and Van Hooydonk. I'm not saying Van Hooydonk's not in really good shape. He made a group of six and E3, but he's not Wout Van Aert. Like, he just upped yeah. the tempo. It was positioning and a choice. Same with Morich and Turner's to come back from injury. They should be good enough to make that move because you can say, oh, well, they can bring it back. They can. Yeah. But if you chase after first camel but and in that zone for what is it 25 30 kilometers before yep. next camel you will have no domestiques left to chase after the last camelberg even if the gap is small you will have burnt them all and then they made it even harder for themselves by bridging Jakobsen across okay say Jakobsen gets across one of two th- you, you think in theory He's going to neutralize the group. He won't because everyone knows they can drop him. It's not like Pedersen. And that's where it didn't work for Pedersen. Yeah. Pedersen bridges across, burns that match. Van Hooydonk and Laporte just stop pretty much. And so that group gets melted, even though Quickstep had let the gap out to 130 because Jakobsen was in a chasse-patat. So Jumbo literally just had two in front. They had Laporte and um, Van Hooydonk. Van Aert and Koi behind, and they just weren't having to do anything in this phase. Exactly. And when you're a quick step, one, don't set two sprinters to this race. You're taking away one domestique that you will dearly need to catch all the attacks that happen yeah. if you have Merlier in your squad. Merlier should be the leader here going into this race. Jakobsen sure. should not be on the start list. Number two, I would argue that... Um, What the hell was I going to say? I've got no clue what I jo- was just about to say. But I completely agree with your point that they bottled themselves completely by going early in these moves, uh, by not going early in these moves, by not being with Van Hooydong, by not being with Laporte, and they forced themselves to chase in that zone during the pluck streets and so forth. You see Osgren on the on the front, you see Seneschal on the front, and these are the riders, like you said, that they need after that, after that Camelbet, because let's say they close it, and they are closing it at the moment. It's getting close, so it's half a minute. It's 20 seconds, it's 15 seconds going towards the next hill zone after the Plug Streets. And I'm thinking to myself, well, they're going to have spent all their domestiques. We're going to arrive at this climb and while Van Hoordonk and Laporte might be caught, what do you think Wout van Aert is here to do? Is he going to sit back and is he going to lead out? Is he going to lead out Koi at the end? Is that his goal today? No, eh? We know something else is coming. And meanwhile, I do want to mention a rider that did something great today, as in a great performance. And that is Florian Vermeer. He, uh, on the Pluck Street, so in the middle of the two hill zones, he had his back derailleur that was broken. And he, the way he held his bike up, legendary. Because, like, he was swinging left and right on his bike. It's the one he didn't hit, he hit anybody. He jumps off his bike, switches to a Shimano bike. So he drops from the group ahead, because he was in there with Van Hoydonk and so forth, to the Peloton with his Shimano bike. Then he changes to his Lotto bike again are behind the peloton then he comes back to the peloton and then we arrive at the camelbatic so um we're getting far already with Florian Vermeers such an effort and he's still there and then he's still at the front of the group going into the second camelbatic which is a really strong performance I did want to note meanwhile Jakobsen is dropped from the peloton as well after his shell spit out so uh yeah let's talk second camel 
Well, yeah, that group is brought back. Alperson had been represented ahead, and you'll know that MVDP is on Zwift after his Milano Sanremo victory last weekend on Saturday. He did his recovery ride, I think, the next day on Zwift. Yep. And if you want to hop onto Zwift, the easiest way to start is here the Zwift Hub. Unbox, unlock virtual worlds, and crush your fitness goals from $4.99, the best priced turbo trainer on the market you can no sweat set up delivered straight to your door get swifting in no time with full immersion direct drive feel so thanks to swift for supporting the show and also alberson had i think better tactics today like they did have sk ahead but yeah it comes back that move when arts not really had to do anything and i thought when like in theory when pedersen grows goes across i was like oh that's kind of a Bit of a mistake from Van Aert. Like, yep. that's probably one guy you should be marking. But in the end, Pedersen's bridged for nothing. He's done an effort to get across. He's working with that group. And then he just come back before second Kemmel anyway. And he kind of had to do it because if he doesn't, the group might go away. I don't know. It Ideally, Trek should have... Who do they have? Sturven. Yeah, Sturven or someone in that move. Exactly. Sturven should be the one that makes that move, not Peterson at this point in the race. Just like last year, I recall Peterson being in the early move again in Hendwevelgem. And then in the end, Sturven was their last man in the final attack who shouldn't have been pacing in that final attack. But hey, that's... We can't go back to the to the analysis of last year. But this year, I agree. Steven is the guy that should be in those moves. Peterson should not be the one bridging. But maybe Steven is not in the best form the way he has looked the last few weeks, in my opinion. Now, we get to that second camel. We mentioned it. And the group gets caught before the bottom. So Quickstep did close it, but they spend all their riders. So it's a decision they made. But is it the right one? We'll see it. We see Vermeer at the front, like I mentioned. We see Ewan in very good position going into the bottom, but the first two riders hammering it at the bottom. There was one rider that attacked before the bottom. I think Turgi did. And yeah. then two Yambo riders make a move. It's Laporte and it's Fanard. Fanard in first and Laporte in his wheel. And they bridge towards Turgi. And there's no one that can follow. The guy that gets the closest to following is the one that I... Loki said on the podcast, the preview of Hendwevelgem, there's no way he's, he's following anyone. I told you he's, on. <laughs> he's getting dropped on every hill. <laughs> Caleb Ewan, Ewan's Jesus on Christ. That he had insane. one effort in him today. He had one big effort into him in the second camel. I thought he was going to get there. I was like, holy, he's flying. And then Camel keeps going a bit, keeps going. It's not ended. And Van Aert's just dragging Laporte away. They were doing like yeah. a TT style on Camel, and Pedersen subsumes Ewan. Those two, Laporte and Van Aert, go over the top. It's a very narrow, wet descent with a hairpin right-hander, which slows down the group too. They, the gap does open up to it is well over five seconds, but it's not more than 10. I didn't stop watch it. The group's not that far behind. And the group is not like in ones and twos. Yeah. There's multiple riders from multiple teams. There's two Bahrain, Morich and Wright. There is Pedersen. There is Vermeersch and Ewan, at least two from Lotto. There's Ineos, I think, with Turner maybe, um, or Narvaez or Sheffield. Maybe they're a little bit further back. But there were teams with multiple riders but this is what... So Moritz is really good at anticipating, but 
he is a big contributor to group two syndrome and often yep. will initiate the death spiral. Yep. And so you think if these guys, it's, we're talking 50 kilometers to go and it's still a large group behind. I don't care how strong Van Aert and Laporte are. If the group behind really gets their act together, maybe they can at least close it before last camel and then see what happens. But Morich immediately attacks the group on the descent. Yep. And Pedersen has to do a big effort to close him. And then suddenly 10 seconds is 20. Yep. And then right's not pulling and it's just a mess. Um, but we, we see this. This keeps happening. Like, I wasn't surprised, but maybe Lotto could have got back. I don't know. He just... Seeing Yumbo go up the road, unless you're Vanderpool or Pagacha, like, you're already, I think, thinking of second place, third place. Yep, I think so as well. And I'll be honest, the second that we got over that camel and the gap was up to 25, 30 seconds, I was like, this race is over. I saw no situation where that second group came back, the way they had ridden in that descent, and the way I would expect them to ride, knowing that Quickstep blew all their domestiques. Exactly. Vermeersch is the only domestique that Ewan has where... He's, he's had to spend his soul out knowing he came back from that mechanical earlier. And for the rest of the riders, there's one domestique of Trek that is actually doing its work, but there's two domestiques working in that group. Two are working. They're never going to close the gap to Alphanon and Laporte, who are also working and are better riders. I think it was Kish and either Masiuk or Gradek. So it's like, you see this big group behind, how's the gap going out? But it's like, well, a two-up time trial between Christophe Laporte, Van Aert, and Kirsch and Masiuk, of course, are going to take time out. And then the gap is a minute, hovers at a minute for a while, and then they have last camel. And we know that the last camel, they're going to just rip it because the domestiques get dropped on last camel and then you got to wait for the sprinters. Yeah. Well, so the race is done. The only question mark was, what would happen with Yumbo and Van Aert and Laporte? On last Kemmel, Van Aert basically has Laporte dropped. He lets everybody know that he was the strongest. That was clear. Yeah. Clear from second Kemmel. But he waits for Laporte to come back. And yeah, there's not too much to say, really. Yumbo, honestly, cuts to the chase. They ride away. And Wout Van Aert gifts the win to Christophe Laporte, which after he lost Ken Vavelham, I think came second last year. So. Good win for Yumbo. I mean, people saying, oh, Van Aert should, should take the win, but it's really, it doesn't matter. Like, if he's happy to gift it, he's happy to gift it, I guess. Yeah, I think so as well. I think it's a good decision to gift it. First of all, Wout Van Aert has won Jens Wevelgem before, so it's not like he needs to fill up a gap in his palmarès necessarily. If he hadn't won Jens Wevelgem before, he might have taken it himself. Now, next to that, Last year, we had E3 where Wout van Aert took the victory when they were both ahead. So probably both these factors in his mind probably told him, wow, might not be a bad idea to give it. It's not the end of the world that I don't have a second hand Wevelgem on my Palmares anyway. And next to that, you got to keep in mind, it's, it's probably Laporte's dream to win one classic in his career. And if that's the case, and if Wout van Aert gives that in such fashion, Laporte was still the second best rider in the race. So... He deserves something here, that's for certain. But the factor is, you're basically creating infinite loyalty from this point onwards from Laporte. In every race that comes, he already had a lot of loyalty from the Paris-Nice victory. 
And this continues onwards with the classics. And now you can expect Laporte to ride a soul out every second he rides for Jumbo Visma for Wout van Aert. Now his contract is running out, so let's hope they resign him. Otherwise, otherwise uh, that loyalty might be very short. But <laughs> oh, I no, do think like, <laughs> maybe he moves to another team like Scarponi or whoever it was with Contador. I don't know. Um, <laughs> since joining Jumbo, quote unquote, yeah. as a you know to help Van Aert to bolster the classic support, he's and he never won a world tour race before 2022. He's won a Paris stage, Tour de France stage, Tour of Denmark, GC, Bash, Semi Bash, and now Gent Wevelhem was second at Gent Wevelhem. So, I mean, yeah, it's Pretty I guess it's a message to future signings like, even if you join, you're not necessarily going to have to ride for Van Aert every single race, and even if it had all come back, if it hadn't been selected, he Van Aert, I reckon, would have let out Olaf Koy today as well. Who, by the way, Koy and Van Hoydonk, they did help behind. Yeah. They really Van Hoydonk and Koy were right in the wheel of uh, Kirsch and the Bahrain rider, just letting them know we're right here, we're not pulling. And they were marking counters, and that's what allowed the gap to get to a ridiculous level. Yeah, for certain, and... I would also argue that with Van Hoydonk, he was also trying to create the situation where Koisu should still be able to sprint for third, yeah. which is also intriguing to see. But I will also say there's a lot of like criticism towards what Wout van Aert did, like, oh, they should have sprinted for it and so forth. But Wout gets to choose it. Eh? With 10 kilometers to go, he apparently, according to Sports, I said to Laporte, Laporte said this, that Wout said with 10k to go, if you want it, you can take the victory. And... A lot of people on Twitter were like, oh, a real champion should take the victories. A real champion should, would, would win. Um, he doesn't deserve to win RVV and Roubaix after this. But a real champion knows when to, when to reward the domestiques that work their ass off for him. And when to claim a victory to fill out their Palmares when necessary. I, f- I feel like that's, that's a good ending to that. I, I have no issue with what Wout did and I think it was the right decision, full stop. It would have been great to see them sprint for it because, frankly, <laughs> this was an incredibly tedious day of cycling. I spent six Laporte hours... Laporte would have won. Uh, well, I mean, if they were racing for it, well, it would have dropped him on last camel. Um, but, yeah, in the sprint, who knows? But, yeah, I watched six hours of cycling to see not a single competitive finish and Yumbo deciding from the car who would win two of them So or on the road. Um, but in the group behind... A counter move of Mikkel Björk was quite strong. For UAE, went with Van Mark and Frizon Pedersen bridged across to it, but spent a lot. Uh, Van Hoydonk missed it, and Sefan Mark won the bunch sprint, or not the little group sprint for third, which is good to see. Uh, big points for Israel, and quite a good result for Van Mark, actually, on Israel. Frizon fourth, and Chen Fabelheim, Pedersen fifth, Björk sixth, Renard won the proper bunch sprint for seventh, the young Kofidis rider. Uh, quite talented, of course. Olive Coy, 8th. Van Poppel, 9th. McClay, 10th. Ackerman, 11th. He had quite a nice race. Merli was very active, which was curious, like pushing in crosswinds and then well, well couldn't sprint. What, so that was weird. Without domestiques, what can he do? <laughs> I, would, like, he could, I think he could have been a little bit more passive. Um, okay. But um, uh, that's the difference between 14th and 7th or something. So a bit of a horror day for Quickstep. 14th their best result um yeah it's there's not much to Mauro say Schmidt, like, get him to the fucking classics oh i just yeah like 
this, you know what Yumbo are going to do in races without yeah. MVP and Polk. Like they're going to play yeah. numbers ahead. You got to you got to be ready and be with them. Um, easier said than done, of course. But Ineos, shame with Gunner crashing. Turner looked good. He was sort of riding as a domestique for Narvaez. Uh, I think he'll be rounding into nice shape for Roubaix in a couple of weeks. So I'm looking forward to seeing how Turner goes there. But I don't really have much else to say from this race. It um. It was a little bit of, like the interesting phase was the from first camel, but then it was very very tedious. Um, yeah, it was yeah, tedious, but at least this? at least there was still the doubt of like uh, would they actually gift it to Laporte or not? Because after the trek not gifting from Longo Rogini on Jabel Hafid, I I've been traumatized from these moments, and I still doubt <laughs> every single second who will be who will be gifted or not. But in the end, I think he made the right decision. Uh, a nice ending with a, a nice winner and it wasn't a very legendary edition of Henry Evelgem and I'll probably forget about it in a few days. I mean, 260Ks, cold, wet conditions, rubbish on the roads, NVDP and Pog training in Monaco and wherever in the sun. It's a little bit of a risk before Flanders, right? For Van Aert? Probably, but can you expect it to be rainy a few days in Henry yeah, yeah, probably decent chance. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're riding towards Fort of Flanders, and that could be rainy as well. So maybe True, that's also a risk for And Vanart's not doing Dwar's Dua. I don't think. Maybe it snows that day and makes it even it's, worse. Dude, it's sunny and it was snowing on me. It's nearly April. I was like, what's going on? <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Um, anyway, that was Men's Henry I don't really have much else to say. Uh, Jumbo Visma sort of unfortunately for us, for the fans, viewers this season, without MVDP, MVDP and Pog in attendance, it's a little bit of one-way traffic. So get Remco in. Get Schmidt in. Let's go. Don't you reckon? He doesn't need to do yeah. Catalonia. He sent him a Genveville him. Exactly. Uh, I think so as well. RVV would be nice. An early yeah. movement RVV. It's not too uh, late. I love it. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, let's let's end it here when it comes to the men's race. All right. Women's edition... Uh, again, we had a strong SD Works team stacked with Roycer, uh, Vibas for the sprint, as well as Kopecky to basically win in any way she likes. Extremely strong domestiques with Majerus, Cicchini, and Lonica Unica. We have Balsamo as a leader for Trek. Bastianelli hoping for a sprint. She's done well here before. I think she has won this race. She has in 18. Uh, for UAE Team ADQ. No Voss for Jumbo Visma. Anna Henderson would be their leader. Zoe Backstedt, the young phenom on EF. We'd be watching closely how she goes, as well as Nivea Doma on Canyon Shane with Basoit, who's looking very good as a Belgian talent, and Movistar with Old Bianic. So I was really hoping to see a showdown between uh, Vibas and Balsamo. Balsamo actually beat her in the reduced group sprint in Brugge de Pana the other day behind... Oh, I didn't mention DSM. Pfeiffer Georgie, of course, with uh, Charlotte Cool and Yastrap. So, really strong squads. Again, rainy conditions. Coverage started with about 80Ks to go. The women do uh, two two sets of the Camel Hills, basically, collection. So, they do Schoenberg, Bannerberg, Monteberg, then Camel, uh, the normal side, and then they do the same, but then the Camelberg from the hard side. So they miss one set of the hills, and it's 163 k 100 k less. Still a long race for the 
like one of the longer races on the women's calendar and it's still like 35k's from the last camel to the finish in rainy conditions so hard race and we didn't really have a break benji when coverage started it was just pelts on a block with sd works canyon shram yumbo all sort of side by side yeah, it happens a lot in women's cycling where we have so many riders that try to go in breakaways, but the peloton speed is just a bit more significant to the point that every break just gets called after 20 kilometers and we have like 20 kilometer break here, 20 kilometer break there, 20 kilometer break here. And like, I, I don't care who's at the start in a breakaway of 20 kilometers at this race. That's why I tuned it with 60 k to go before the men's race was finished because the end of the men's race wasn't that intriguing. <laughs> anyway, Canyon was pacing the moment that I kicked in. And I found that intriguing. I was like, what are they planning? Because they've got microphone on the dynamical side for a potential sprint, Nivia Doma for a potential punch in the hills. And I would expect Nivia Doma to try something on those hills while they keep the other two for the sprint at the end. Because microphone on the dynamical side were pretty damn strong at Brugge de Pone. That's for certain. Now, we're going towards the Camelbetic 1. That's the Belvedere side, the one I have conquered in my life. And um, that was devastating that day. That being said, this peloton rode faster than me, that is for certain. It was Nivia Doma that started pacing at the front going into that Camelberg, and she was pushing with Kopecki in the wheel, Henderson in the wheel, and that three women trio went up the road for a tiny bit, but in the descent it kind of closed down with a few riders coming back. Ribas was not too far behind there on the Camelberg and joins them with Labecki with another Canyon rider with a few other riders in there, so... We get this group coming ahead with two canyon riders with Weebus and Kopecki and so forth. And who would you expect some someone in there to make a move? I thought Kane Shram, well, first of all, they were way, way stronger than I expected. They had Skalniak yeah. Soika, who's a Polish signing they've brought in, who won 14 races last year on the Conti circuit. She was on a Conti, a Polish Conti team, I think. She was like yeah. doing the lead out for Nivea Doma, but then they got numbers into that group with uh, Kapeki on her own. Bef and this is between. Uh, like the camels so you've got this phase bef between first camel and barnaberg Schoenberg, i'm not counting of like no uh, like 20 k's maybe less than 20 k's where you can try and get a rider ahead because if Kapeki launches last camel with vibas in the group big trouble and yep. you're basically betting everything that Nuviodoma can follow Kapeki and then also beat her in the sprint. So to me, with the three in the group, I thought they have to anticipate and get some ahead yep. and force Kopecky to chase or get in. A, I don't know. Like, this is the opportunity, and they kind of didn't. And Kopecky was pacing a little bit, but I feel like they had an opportunity to move there, and just rolling through or waiting wasn't the option. Yeah, it seems like everything kind of came together again after that group was ahead and we get this peloton that is moving towards the second part of the hill circuit again, the the one more camelback that we do and we've got a major crash happening in the peloton and terrible. it was a weird one because, yeah, it was a, was a terrible crash. Agent insurance rider seems to have had her wheel in the verge of death or whatever you call it in the middle of the road yeah. and she like slides to the right and takes out basically half the group and riders that are involved honestly i had no clue who was involved first because like half, half the, the group was on. down 
Rivers Georgie, was not involved. Georgie's okay, second crash, ahead. or at least second time stopped by a crash. So she yep. was had a race affected. DSM, half they, of them were taken out. Trek were taken out, half their team. I don't think Balsamo was, but I think it might have been uh, Chapman who was shaken up. They had one rider who was really banged up on the ground. Just a huge yep. crash, rise of broken wrists, I think. It was terrible. High speed. And because it was wet also, no one could break from behind. The riders breaking yep. from behind just slid out into the group. So that was terrible. That also with SD Works largely unaffected with Kapeki Vibus Reusser in front, they their numerical advantage was even more stark. And we go into the Barnaberg ahead and Reusser just kind of like Van Hoydonk's move on the first camel. Not like a huge yep. attack, but... She doesn't have any other top favorites on her wheel and just starts to push really hard, get separation. You've got Kopecky staring down whoever else is maybe chasing. You've got DSM in disarray because of the crash just before. And so Royce gets this monster gap on the Barnaberg and you've got Kopecky marking behind. And again, the race was like done. Over. Like strategically, yeah. you know that you've got the strongest time trial rider in the race ahead because yep. Van Dyke's not here. You've got the strongest all-rounder marking moves behind and you've got Vibas also just behind, the fastest sprinters. So there's no domestiques to chase. Yep. There's no domestiques both because of the hills, but also I think that that crash probably hit this race a lot. I think yeah. because half the peloton was decimated in that crash, half the domestiques were gone. And then it's very difficult to have that group come back towards the time trollist that is full stop going for it. But I gotta be honest, we're going into the next phase of the race. Royzer gets over the Camelback, the last Camelback, the, the so-called harder side. I claim the other side harder because I climbed the other side and I was dead. But that being said, the gap stayed the same on that climb. Even though Brown pushed a tiny bit, Kopecky was marking her on that climb. The group kind of thins out again and we get over that climb and... That's when the tempo is dead in that in that group. And we see groups come back, and it's a large group that comes back, and we get a peloton of, what, 40, 45 people? And when that is the case, with multiple teams with multiple riders, then I'm like, five DSs need to be fired here. Because, like, nobody's riding. Yeah, but it's Vibas and Kopecky's the threat, I think. Yeah, but... Like if you're not at the front, you can't win the race, huh? I know. And anything can happen. We saw her in the finish. Anything can happen. Yeah. Royce missed two bid-ons. She could have its cold conditions. She could completely hunger flat. She could get into the headwind. I agree. Never give up. It's, I, I agree, but also, it's just like SD Works is so dominant that people already just start thinking second, third, um, and they don't believe they can bring back Royster, and it also goes to show how important Ellen Van Dyke not only is for Trek, but for the cohesiveness of the peloton as a whole. Because if she was there, no offense to maybe Van Onroy who was pacing or one of the Trek riders, but like the only woman to consistently beat Royster and TTs has been Ellen Van Dyke, and she's on yep. um, mat leave. So if maybe she's she's on the front, drives it back. This is a little bit different. She's got Balsam on the group, but she wasn't. And the race is done, except for an errant turn when, like, of course, Brown tried on Camelberg. Kopecky's there, stops. Uh, but 
where did Royce have taken bad? She went up a side street. <laughs> she just lost 30 seconds, went the wrong way. I 100% have no clue what you're talking about because I tuned out the television for like 10 Royce, minutes. Royce, uh, with four or five Ks to go, went just down a Ram side street. <laughs> just off the course. That's, genius. That's, Absolute that's genius. I never give up. <laughs> that's true. But I will say, however, despite this being a great race for SD-Works the way it looks, I feel like they could handle something better in the phase of like 15 to 10 kilometers to go in the group behind. Because we see that plenty of people are are making moves. We see the likes of uh I don't I don't know who's attacking. Henderson Shari was Basoy, making moves and so forth. Roddy 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 got in Georgie move. was still was still yep. attacking after she came back because she rode a hell of a race once again. And when those moves happen, the way I expect SD works to respond is to neutralize them by closing them down and not by putting Majidus in those moves. Because then you're removing the chance of having a 1-2 on this stage. Because oh. at this point in the race, Royzer wins the race, right? So if you yeah. want to play it tactically here, you try and close it down for Weebus to take it out. And right the second that I the second that I think that, Weebus is involved in a crash. And that's that's a nice way of putting it. Because she goes around on the left side of the group. She tries to come around. And she basically takes out Kopecky. She takes out... Cicchini was stopped. I don't think she and crashed. Balsamo. Balsamo on the ground as well, so half the group she was in was 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 out of the race at that point, basically. I mean, maybe they... I mean, Madras let her go for a top five or something, like a loyal domestique for SD Works, because she was in that move with Georgie Basoit, Henderson, Buyak, Anroy... Van Anroy, sorry, and uh, Barker. But that group, it's joined, as I said, by Roseman Gannon and Co. and Yastrab for DSM. They start finessing so much that with DSM having two riders in there as well, that group three comes out of nowhere. Riders we've not seen, or maybe it wasn't group three. Hold on. What? I thought that was Charlotte Cool because we watched him, we just started recording. Megan Yastrab was in that group, yeah. bridged across. Yastra? The full group comes back with Bastianelli and Swinkles from Yumbo Visma. And I thought it was Charlotte Cool. Yastrab no. then cleans them in the sprint. Anyway, that's very impressive. Beating Michael van der Duen, Schwinkels, Christina Schweinberger, who I think had been in a crash, uh, Bastianelli, Eleanor Barker, Coponi, Anna Henderson, Shari Basoit. So Yastrab is coming good. She is yeah. coming good. Brugge Pana, really strong as well, combined with Georgie there. And in this race, we know that she had a sprint and seeing her destroy Van der Duyn and so forth. Van der Duyn also really sprinting well in the last couple of weeks as well. Seventh in Brugge de Panne, third in Ronde van Drenthe. And last year, she had two top fives and a sixth place in Tour de France Femme. I feel like she's kind of the underrated second, third-tier sprinter in the peloton as well. Yeah. Okay. So one to watch. Yastrab got big things coming. Her, Georgie is a really potent classics combination. Georgie had some really bad luck today. She's more the attacker and follower. Maybe if she hadn't crashed earlier, she goes with Royce. I don't know. But dominant from SD Works, as Benji said, they didn't really try to lock out the podium, but also... Well, they also crashed. <laughs> well, I mean, you should probably not be too confident, right? Like, what if Royce yeah. flats, crash, and she's still going through wet corners quickly, like... You don't want to just get in the car behind, which they kind of did. So, yeah. But anyway, she didn't. They win easily. And it was kind of a mirror result from both races. Uh, kind of everywhere. Not 
not the uh, not the best day of racing, frankly. Um, <laughs> Jesus, that was boring the last forty k of each race. <laughs> yeah, just dominance from two. Ersty works Dutch too. Are they Belgian? They're Dutch. We'll claim Dutch they're Belgian if they win anyway. No, they're Dutch. I can see on PCS. You're not. Not you're reclaiming not that um, So yeah. That was that, and kind of favour him. It's a big race, and Laporte and Royce will be happy to have it on their Palmares. It is, I mean, she won a Tour de France stage uh, last year, Royce, but she's not won a classic this big. So this is a huge result for her. She looked in very, very good shape, like super athletic rider, and she's still improving as well. Yep. So can't wait to see how she goes uh, this year. Probably be a big favourite, the big favourite for World Champs TT later in the year. Um. Otherwise, around the traps, we had GP Industria. Ben Healy won that. I mentioned that mainly because he Again. has come into great shape. Third in Settimana, GC, won a stage, now winning yeah, GP Industria. Listen, not the best start list, but also he won by 30 seconds solo. So he's in nice shape. He's doing the Giro. Just a little word to the wise for everybody. He will be a big contender for like a, the Napoli stage that De Gent won. From the break, Ben Healy. Yep. Wow, my voice cracking. He, uh, <laughs> anyway, just mark him down for those sort of stages. Um, anything else from today, Benji? Um, oh, we saw that race. We had Catalonia on the podcast already. So if you haven't seen that, you can check out that podcast as well. It's also online. Well, uh, worth it to, uh, to mention as it was the end of Catalonia. But racing-wise, that's kind of it. And we're looking forward to the next week. And we're seeing that... Twarzdorf London is our next uh, adventure together, right? It is on Wednesday. Uh, I believe we'll have the Ronde van Vlaanderen preview probably before that, but no promises. Uh, given that, uh, who knows? Yeah, maybe we'll wait for after Twarzdorf Vlaanderen because you never know probably. if Pogba and VDP crashes. It makes a big difference. Um, but yeah, other thing I want to note is a British... One, two in the women's junior, Chen Vavelhem from Izzy Sharp and Kat Ferguson, just to watch out for those two. Particularly Izzy Sharp looks very, very good, and so does Kat Ferguson. Hold on. She's 16. She won Trofeo, uh, Baby Trofeo, Trofeo Binder. Okay, yep. she'll be on a World Tour team soon. <laughs> Kat Ferguson <laughs> and Izzy Sharp. All right, so they're just names to look out for to pencil down. But I hope you enjoyed the podcast, and... What's well, been a big block of racing? We're going to have a couple of days off. We think we deserve them. Maybe we don't. And we'll be on Zwift, I think, in the next couple of days, catching up. But I hope you enjoyed all the pods. And we'll see you with some more classics action this week. Until then, ciao.